On Your Wavelength, a podcast on physics and publishing. We take you behind the scene of some of the most interesting work published in the Nature portfolio. We talk to the authors and to the editors and bring you the latest insights. Hello and welcome to On Your Wavelength. I'm Ankit Urban from Nature Reviews Physics and I'm joining you today from London. And as ever, I am Cristiano Matricardi from Nature Communication and I'm tuning from Berlin. So I would like to thank everyone, every listeners uh, of us that tuned last time when we discussed about glass and bosom peaks. So this month we're going in quite a different direction and we're talking about cells. And in fact, I mean biological cells today. So, I mean, some of you might remember this from high school. Um, inside cells, there are um, blobs of proteins, basically, called organelles, that carry out various functions. And the understanding, traditionally, was that these organelles are surrounded by membranes that protect them. But recently, studies have shown that this might not actually be the full picture, and some organelles don't, in fact, have membranes. So these organelles are actually formed by a physical, rather than a chemical, phase separation process that goes on inside the cell. But then what are the forces driving this and the structure features of, of proteins? Just ones can actually easily ask to themselves. So this is a little bit less, less easy to understand since phase separated system is kind of challenging to be studied and characterized. So for this reason, scientists are trying to develop accurate techniques approaches to access this kind of structural feature phase separating proteins by studying them in their condensate state without actually being invasive and disrupting to the system this is what we are aiming to right now and we will see how scientists have been doing this so far and I suppose you might be wondering um, about the physics part in this, because mm -hmm. it's all about cells and biology. Um, but the physics-y bit is that this month's paper uses Raman scattering with metal nanoparticles to probe the phase separations inside the cells. Uh, this is a technique that was published on the 28th of July in Nature Communications. The paper is called Sing Single Droplet Surface Enhanced Raman Scattering Decodes the Molecular Determinants of Liquid-Liquid Phase Separation. It's by Anamika Avni and colleagues. And Chris spoke to the PI behind the paper and the handling editor to find out more. Welcome, everybody. This is the story of today at On Your Wavelength podcast. Today we have Samrat, you are from Institute, Indian Institute of Science and Education um, and Research in Moali. Am I right? Yes. So uh, can you a little bit introduce about uh, your, your, yourself, your, uh, your position, where you are and what you're doing in, 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 in the Indian Institute of Science, Education and Research? Yeah, so uh, my name is Samrat Mukhopadhyay. <clears throat> so I'm a professor at the Indian Institute of Science, Education and Research in Mohali, which is located in the northern part of India. And in my lab, uh, we have been immensely interested uh, in the uh, class of proteins, emerging class of proteins called intrinsically disordered proteins, 
which uh, uh, do not adopt a single structure. Uh, therefore, they uh, challenge the sequence, structure, function paradigm, the conventional paradigm. They can exist as multiple forms. And we have been very interested in studying the dynamism of these intrinsically disordered proteins that are important for cellular functions and uh, diseases. In the other side, tuning from Berlin, we have Adriana, who handled the paper who we will talk today. So Adriana, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, so I'm Adriana Savastano and I'm uh, currently an associate editor uh, in the biochemistry theme for Nature Communication. And I started actually last year, around this time. So I'm actually celebrating almost my first year of work as an editor. And I have a background in um, structural biology. I did my PhD using NMR and studying intrinsically disordered proteins. Um, and during the last part of my PhD and also the postdoc experience, I handled a lot of liquid-liquid phase separation, studying more the structural aspects, but also more biological functions. So that's what I actually handle as an editor. Uh, mainly structural biology and um, NMR and fibrils and liquid-liquid phase separation. So just like we, we can say you're playing in-house today. I um, play a little bit in-house, yes. So uh, <laughs> let's, let, let's, let's start discussing a little bit the, the topic of today. We, we have source, we have liquid-liquid phase separation. You, you said that, also Samrat said us. We have uh, the detection of molecular structure. So we have many topics but in a nutshell i want i would like to ask samrat which which aspects make this topic important nowadays why we should be yes. interested in this yes so uh, a growing body of work has uh, revealed that uh, many of these biomolecular condensates that are formed inside the cells also referred to as uh, membranous organelles these are highly dynamic uh, liquid-like condensates and, uh, and of course, uh, highly spatiotemporally controlled. So you can capture uh, vibrational signatures uh, of a protein. Of course, a protein comprises uh, a large number of different types of bonds, including the backbone, amide bonds, and of course, side chain bonds. And in vibrational spectroscopy, all these characteristics are visible. And, uh, and you can focus the laser beam into a side micron spot size so that you can monitor one droplet at a time. So that gives you <laughs> this very neat capability of recording uh, structural information from individual partners. Since we are interested in the behind the scene of what happened, just we, we you know, we know science is not is, is not uh, full of eureka moment and just is like, oh, wow, everything was good. So can you tell us what went wrong during your path or just what just uh, what was your main hurdles? So, so uh, vibrational Raman spectroscopy is a very insensitive technique as opposed to, let's say, fluorescence. So the strategy was, of course, when we are thinking about this problem, uh, of course, uh, we have to try uh, 
a lot of different uh, you know things uh, gold nanoparticles silver nanoparticles the wide variety of surface engineering uh, was uh, needed because we wanted the protein and nanoparticles should come closer so that the nanoparticles, metallic nanoparticles can get into the droplets and enhance the, the vibrational signatures. Of course, this was definitely not very easy. Uh, we had to try uh, quite a few things and then of course, uh, the surprise was uh, entire uh, nanoparticle population got encapsulated into the droplet. So we don't see any nanoparticle in the live piece. This was something which was uh, very surprising. We were uh, very excited about that. So, uh, so you are not enhancing anything in the live feed is outside the dense space. You are only enhancing selectively the dense space population, which is great, right? So, so, and we were uh, quite excited when we saw the enhancement of uh, uh, several orders of magnitude uh, uh, upon upon the encapsulation of the nanoparticles. So, just this 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 result was something expected, or you found this result just finding just trying to solve other other questions. This project was highly, uh, uh, you know, we thought through the project uh, right from the beginning because we were also interested in looking at uh, the nanoparticle movements within the droplets. It was it was very well planned project and one of those projects uh, which uh, one of those very uh, uh, few projects which really worked very well. Uh, uh, you know, uh, from the hypothesis, the planning, and of course. But the surprising part was, as I said, the entire population of the nanoparticle was inside the job. This brings me to the next question, which is uh, more directed to Adriana. And um, basically, you, Adriana, handles liquid-liquid uh, phase separation. You also had a PhD, did a PhD on this, um, on this technique. So just you're quite familiar with these techniques. And so how many papers do you receive on liquid-liquid phase separation applied to spectroscopy? And which were the aspects that let you think about this paper could be good for peer review and then actually then for publishing in Nature Communications? So, of course, um, handling many biophysical techniques, I heard of Raman spectroscopy before, and I handled a lot of manuscripts that use this technique to get some informa structural information. And, and it's used, for example, also for studying fibrils or protein aggregation and also infrared spectroscopy. So there are many optical spectroscopy techniques that are implemented to obtain structural information. From the liquid-liquid phase separation side, as we already discussed, NMR is one of the favorite because it can access to the ensemble um, behavior in solution. And liquid-liquid and, and phase separation is a little bit on the edge because you still have proteins in solution, but they are phase separating. So it's really difficult to access the structural information from, from, from this aspect. 
And so the papers that I usually get are like between the observational aspect, so to say papers that are looking at the behavior of, of one protein in one biological process, and they, the, the, the researchers are usually looking that liquid-liquid phase separation is involved, so they are studying why this occurs and what effects it has on cellular processes. Um, and then I also have manuscripts that instead are trying to understand why this happens, so looking more at the theoretical background of the phenomenon or looking at the structural features that protein have to undergo liquid-liquid phase separation. So I would say that these is this, this is the, the the main um, these are the main topics that I, that that I receive and that are studied right now uh, in liquid liquid phase separation. And when I looked at this manuscript, of course, that the first thing that I saw, oh, this is this is interesting. It was the application of another technique, which is not NMR, which is what I I, I know, but I also see a lot in the manuscripts to study another. Um, another phenomenon, which is liquid-liquid phase separation. So I think the combination of the vibrational spectroscopy and the optical microscopy and the topic, which is also rising very fast. I mean, this, this field is really just moving forward every day. So I just saw that there were a lot of combinations of different things that could have been interesting. And, and I mean, it was also well received at uh, the peer review stage. So I was confirmed in a way that um, what what I saw was actually something interesting for the community. <laughs> so peer review was, I would say, relatively smooth. Um, so we had um, reviewers from, let's say, a more technical background, so experts in in the field, but also just experts in, I mean, experts in the technique and experts in the field of liquid-liquid phase separation. So we had these two expertises combined. And I would say that it was really relatively smooth. I mean, it was well, well received. And, and of course, I mean, some reviewers always have different opinions. So some think that um, like a, such a developmental manuscript might be a little bit specialized and some others instead see that this is completely innovative, which was like, I would say, the case um, for this manuscript. And, and I think the peer review really improved the manuscript in a, I mean, it was already a good manuscript, but then it really brought it to another level because of course, there was the technical discussion, which I think for the people that deal with the technique every day is always very insightful. I mean, I still remember as a PhD student, I think people that can read all these technical details are super happy because then they can always get some inspiration. But I also think um, the paper became more accessible for the people that are not expert in the technique and in the field in general, both in the Raman spectroscopy and in the phase separation, liquid-liquid phase separation uh, field, because there were some suggestions to include more guidelines, how to read the spectra or to analyze better the spectra so that non-experts could also appreciate what was actually the, the, the power of the manuscript. So I think it was a good peer review that was very constructive and, uh, and it turned out 
well. I, I was really happy. That's good to hear because, of course, peer review, it's made to take the best out of every manuscript. So uh, I would like to stay a little bit longer with you and ask you which kind of service or which kind of um, content editorially you, are, uh, you and your team are planning to release soon uh, as a post-production, as a service, like collection, editorials, if you're planning to do something uh, from the editorial side on this topic, on liquid-liquid phase separation and uh, application in spectroscopy, structural, uh, structural biology, and so on? Well, uh, in nature communication, let's say that the, we are getting more and more um, submissions on this because it's, it's a field that we are trying to expand and a little bit explore. And of course, I'm now the in-house, let's say, handling editor. So this is very interesting for me. But um, I mean, also in the past, there has been many publication, many relevant publication. And you can see that liquid liquid phase separation is going on, as I said before, different, it's branching, you have method development, you have uh, also, like the study between the liquid phase and then this apparent transition to the gel-like. So there is a link to disease and neurodegeneration. So one thing we are actually trying to release soon, actually, um, by the end of the month, is a collection of papers that has been um, published in Nature Communication in the last two years where a focus is given on all those articles that studied the involvement of liquid-liquid phase separation in disease and whether we can target this phenomenon to, 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 to have some therapeutic um, approaches. So this is actually a collection that should be out soon at the end of the month. And this is one content that uh, is very interesting for us. So what I would say, is like stay tuned for the next collection uh, soon to be released on nature communication website and as we're getting closer to the end we're getting closer to the last question which is how do you see this field in five years so this is uh, directed to both i would like to start i would like to start with samrat so uh, the floor is yours so i think uh, a couple of questions which are very important one of the questions uh, of course is how uh, the cells basically uh, maintain the liquid-like, you know, behavior, uh, or, or uh, you know, you know, material property which is important for the for the function, but avoiding the transition to pathological aggregates. So it's a very fine, uh, you know, sort of balance. And uh, what are the molecular players? Of course, there are mutations, there are post-translational modifications, and the participation of other, uh, in addition to the key players like you know flexible proteins, like uh, proteins which offer multivalency, uh, such as intrinsically disordered proteins and regions uh, which offer multivalency, and. Uh, in addition to this, proteins have also got nucleic acids like RNA and other components, other small molecules. So how uh, uh, all these interactions are uh, important at the molecular level 
can we characterize some of these interactions uh, uh, at the atomic resolution, which is very hard because these are uh, very highly dynamic uh, molecules making ephemeral interactions with other molecules, homotypic, heterotypic interactions. So it's a very complex uh, system. So now how does mutations, post-translational modifications can uh, alter the heterotypic, homotypic interactions, multivalency, and that can basically take the uh, functional uh, liquid-like coordinates into pathological gel-like or solid-like aggregates. Yeah, well, I agree with uh, all, with everything that Samrat already described. And as I said, I see that there are two main lines that are developing and they are kind of walking in parallel, right? So you have the more biophysical characterization with the methods, implementation, and also studying just what is the the process and because this is a little bit on the edge between biology and physics, huh? right? So it's biophysics and 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 you have this um, channel that is really moving forward, getting more instruments and more knowledge about what what is actually happening and what are the the forces that are driving this this process. And then on the other side, you have the more biological observation and more and more proteins are of course shown now to undergo phase separation and to do something because of this. So I, I just see that these two channels will combine and, and I can already see it in many papers that I handle that it is not only taken into consideration the biological relevance but also the scientists are looking into what it means from the biophysical point of view. And one interesting aspect that I also see, because I heard it also from conferences and from talks, is that apart from looking at therapeutic approaches, addressing, targeting liquid-liquid phase separation, there is actually the idea of using liquid-liquid phase separation as a tool to bring molecules do things. And I actually am very curious about how people will, uh, how, how researchers will, will do that and how it can be used. Because of course, this is a, it can become a tunable system. I mean, liquid-liquid phase separation or phase separation is known in the biophysics for many years, even before it was observed in cells. So, and, and, and this system, can be tuned. So I'm actually curious to see whether it will have some more bioengineering uh, applications as well. And we can actually expect some more interesting papers, interesting works coming from this uh, merger of a, a few different techniques, few different fields. I'd like to add something. This is truly yeah. an interdisciplinary field which cuts across uh, several uh, boundaries. Uh, of uh, cell biology, uh, developmental biology, uh, you know, uh, cellular biochemistry, then of course uh, physics, uh, spectroscopy, physical chemistry, and also, as Adriana mentioned, bioengineering. So I think it's a truly interdisciplinary field, and we can expect some really exciting developments coming up in the next five years for sure. That's a, that's also a challenge for us as editors, because we have the, uh, you know, uh, 
we need to bring also uh, this uh, this work, disseminate this works and just foster interdisciplinary uh, collaboration. So it's something that we are working at every day as editors here on Nature, Nature Portfolio and specifically Nature Communications. So um, thank you very much for being here today with us. Um, this is on your Wavelength podcast and we uh, we we did this podcast we to talk with authors and editors and show you the behind the scene so i hope you enjoy our company uh, next month bye <laughs>